Absolutely. And I mean, walking and bicycling is the, the health effects for that. If we could design our communities to accomplish that, it's profound. There's certainly benefits associated with reduced air pollution and other things, but really the major health benefit is in the physical activity. It's, uh, it's immense. So it's, it's very important work. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. I'm John Simmerman, founder of the Active Towns Initiative and your grateful host during this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Just a quick reminder before we dive into this, our second episode of our second season, that we have over 50, that's five zero, fascinating full-length episodes waiting for you to explore from season one. In this episode, however, I'm honored to share with you my discussion with Kelly Rogers of Portland, Oregon. Kelly is a PhD doctoral candidate at Portland State University in Urban Studies, and she's the founder and executive director of StreetSmart, an amazing nonprofit platform and resource clearinghouse for integrating climate change, public health, and equity concerns into transportation. The platform is evidence-based and helps users make the case for healthy investments and prioritize strategies that meet community goals. The focus is on proven strategies that can help communities meet their goals for increasing physical activity, walking and bicycling, reducing vehicle miles traveled and greenhouse gas emissions, and improving equity and inclusion. But before we dive into that discussion, please allow me a moment to once again mention that this episode is being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. Thank you all so very much for your amazing support. To learn how you too can help support me in my efforts to produce this content, please head over to my website at activetowns.org and simply click on that blue donate link in the top right corner of the page. As always, I've included a link in the show notes. One last thing before we get started. If you're enjoying the Active Towns podcast, please be sure to subscribe to and rate it on your preferred podcast listening platform. And what the heck, perhaps share it with a friend or two so we can grow the audience. Okay, let's get this conversation with Kelly Rogers of Street Smart rolling. Well, Kelly, it is so wonderful to connect with you here today. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast. Thank you very much. So first off, thank you so much for taking the time to talk uh, with us about the Street Smart Initiative. To get us started, though, could you just please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm the executive director of Street Smart, which is a nonprofit organization that has built a platform for integrating climate protection, public health, and equity into transportation. I'm also a PhD candidate in urban studies at Portland State University, and I am researching the use and influence of health indicators in transportation. Fabulous, fabulous. So what got you interested in this this area? So my Background has been city planning for a long time. I uh, my undergraduate degrees in city planning, and then I uh, moved into landscape architecture. Actually, that's my master's degree, and I was very focused on green infrastructure at that time, which I'm still interested in. Uh, and it wasn't until later that I was introduced to transportation through a project 
called STARS, which was the Sustainable Transportation Analysis and Rating System. And it was something, it was designed to be something like lead for transportation plans and projects, only it was performance-based. And that really gave me the seed idea for Street Smart, because what I found in some of the projects where we were piloting STARS, that there was a need for knowing what were the proven strategies for accomplishing community goals. And a lot of times transportation plans aren't projects aren't designed with measurable targets. And that's something that STARS was promoting. And once you do that, you need to start thinking about what's going to help you get there. And so I collected some information for one project and realized that there that took a lot of effort and that I bet there were a lot of other people that would benefit from pulling together the research on what works in transportation and making that widely available. Cool. Uh, can you give a little bit of a story as to how you came up with the name? Yeah, the name, uh, the name has, this is why you pay people a lot of money to do branding work. It's really difficult, but I, I went through a couple of different exercises to iterate on the name. And so Street Smart made a lot of sense because, you know, it's the research, the smarts on what works for streets. And of course, it has the additional connotation of being savvy about transportation. So that's where that came from. It was interesting when I first heard the name. I I had sort of this gut reaction, knee flex sort of response of, oh no, another smart something, like smart growth and smart this and smart that. And smart like, cities, oh, yeah. Smart cities. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, because oftentimes like with smart cities and a lot of the branding that goes along with a lot of these tech initiatives, it's, it's all about, oh, innovation is going to swoop in and save the day. And we forget how to do the basics of blocking, tackling, and, you know, the very foundational things uh, such as active mobility and active transportation and making our cities more walkable and bikeable. So that was my first sort of, you know, reaction to it. And then I dug into the website and I'm like, oh, this is cool, though. And then I got then I got excited because I also love double entendres. And so I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool because someone who is street smart knows how to deal with a difficult situation or a dangerous situations, especially in big cities. That's this. That's cool. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned, I think, yeah, there's a tendency in transportation circles, um, which is, you know, dominated by engineers and economists to the tendency to let technology lead the way. And, and even though we're promoting in street smart, you know, proven strategies, it's still very much based on what works for people. And that recognizing that, evidence is just a tool in the toolkit. And the more important thing is telling the story and using evidence to help tell a story and maybe provide a different narrative than the conventional narrative that has been tech dominant. Right, right. Now, is this particular initiative uh, sort of an offshoot of your doctoral work? Or is this sort of in addition to what you're doing with your PhD? It's in addition, in okay. a way, but it has been very synergistic. So I, I started both around the same time. So I began my PhD at about the time that I started Street Smart. 
And I had been considering getting a PhD for a while, but I couldn't quite justify it because I didn't have intentions to be tenure track faculty. Right. That would really necessitate it. And so when I thought about let's bring evidence and insight to community advocates about transportation, what I need to do is not pick one off pieces of research to justify a position, but actually look at systematic reviews in the whole of the literature to see what it says. And my previous education had not equipped me to do that. And so it became the deciding factor for me to get a PhD and to focus on research synthesis and evidence-based policy and some of the challenges associated that with that, which is also, you know, actually still not very common in in kind of the planning world, the public health field has a long history of looking at obviously with evidence-based medicine and then evidence-based policy. And that is not a concept that is common in planning for good reason, but there is some value to thinking that way. And certainly in the way that public health approaches these questions. Yeah. And I love the the blending of this and, you know, the, the words that pop up on your website right away are evidence and insight for healthy transportation. And you're absolutely right. You know, the oftentimes in transportation, oftentimes in, in urban planning and other planning dialogues that are out there that are going on in development, there's not a lot of thought towards what that means to have healthy transportation or healthy communities and how how to really handle or how to really access the evidence and the insights necessary to be able to communicate that. And frequently I'd be at conferences around the, the country and I'd be one of the only people in the conference that had a public health background. And you know, I would keep coming back to this thing of, you know, hey, this, this is critical that we design our cities and our mobility approaches towards mobility with the health of our communities in mind. And here's another double entendre that I love is that, you know, healthy transportation could be health for the people, but it's also health for the city and it's health for the environment too. So it's good Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. This is one of the shifts that's, that's underway in transportation is recognizing the significant health impacts. Um, I engineers in particular are taught, they think about health, but they think about health in terms of safety and specifically injury prevention. And that is important, but that is not the only health impact from transportation. There's access to healthy destinations. There's the air quality pieces of it. There's thinking about the equitable benefits and burdens of transportation projects. So, um, and then the largest, uh, you know, threat multiplier is climate change. So, which is only going to exacerbate the health problems that we have, the health inequities that we have. And transportation is the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. So it's time to stop thinking about health in a really limited way and look at it more broadly and bring in some you know, excellent public health concepts like the social determinants of health to inform the way that we do transportation planning and design. Right. 
And uh, since you mentioned the social determinants of health, I'll, I'll sort of pivot and talk a little bit about the fact that there's also a reference on your website to planning for health equity, advocacy, and leadership, or the the P-H-E-A-L principles. Talk a little bit about how that those two concepts uh, come together. Yeah, this is a, a, a fantastic initiative that emerged this year. So uh, it's it's pronounced FEEL. And that is intentional. And so it's in response, it's, it's, it's called the, a blueprint for the post-COVID era. And a, a group of built environment professionals, planners, landscape architects, public health, architecture, real estate artists got together in May to respond to a call to action to affirm that health equity is the superior model for doing community planning and you know, once upon a time, public health and city planning were working arm in arm together. And then those two fields got more and more specialized and went their separate ways. So it's time to bring them back together and address the challenges that we're finding with COVID, but of course the chronic disease challenges that we've had for a while now and that our built environments have contributed to. Then the racial justice protests that emerged later only underscored the the inequities that first were you know illuminated by COVID and the disparate impact that COVID had on populations. And then we started thinking about all these other ways and policing and the way that we manage our communities and how that has disparate impacts as well. So with those two key things in mind, this group of people collaboratively developed very quickly over the course of four months a set of guiding principles from, you know, and across the country, it was a really spectacular process when you think about how quickly a group of nearly 80 people (laughs) could put this together. And so we have three overarching guiding principles and then sub principles related to it. And it was a really rich process. I learned a lot from it and that it underscores this tension we have between evidence-based policy and the need to account for context and community engagement and the specificity of local populations and settings and how we do our work. And so throughout Street Smart, I'm clear that here are the proven strategies and you need to think through the potential consequences on equity because any strategy can be done equitably or it can exacerbate existing inequities if you're not thoughtful about how you do engagement or how you, you know, if you're thinking about who's benefiting from this, even something like transit, which seems like on the surface, well, that would definitely anything that promotes transit will help, you know, low income populations or transit dependent populations. But it's not always the case, you can, you can get it wrong. And so that is informed, I mean, the focus on Equity and Street Smart came a couple of years ago before the FEEL effort, but then the FEEL has only helped reinforce that in, in how the site has pulled together. Yeah. It reminds me, too, that sort of tapping back into my history in behavior modification and health behavior change, that change in general is just very, very difficult for people. I mean, it's, you know, when they're faced with their, their communities starting to change and their streetscapes starting to change, it can be very fear inducing. And then when you add on a layer of misinformation and fear mongering that can oftentimes, you know, gin up a lot of, of energy uh, to try to, you know, 
sort of create a, a NIMBY-esque approach of, well, no, we don't we don't want change in our neighborhood. And you're like, no, but seriously, this is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the evidence. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so it's, it's so, it's almost ironic sometimes, especially with communities that have been historically underinvested in, they rightly so are, are, are very, very wary of the government coming in saying, Hey, we're going to change your neighborhood. We're going to fix your street. And they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> we've heard this before. So it's, it's, it's challenging. And I noticed that you have lots and lots of links and, and, and let's, in fact, let's talk a little bit about what the, the site really does for people and also address who your primary audience is. Sure. So, you know, I have multiple audiences for this and, and I think this is a, a beta version as, uh, of Street Smart. I ha- I've envisioned many other features of it, but this is the, the starting place. And so I think I will d- learn who the primary audience is or learn better who it is. I initially designed it for city planners. That's my background. And, you know, appreciated that engineers liked this, or at least some engineers. And so I actually signed an MOU with ITE a couple years ago to sort of help advance the development of Street Smart. Uh, and then public health, as I increasingly started engaging with public health, I realized, you know, public health professionals, particularly if they're adopting a health and all policies type of approach to their work, are interested in affecting transportation. But, you know, it's not in their wheelhouse. They've not learned how to engage and that this would be a good site for them to learn you know, what the proven strategies are and give them some basics for how to kind of grapple with improving health and transportation. And then community advocates. Um, I've had a very positive response from community advocates. And in particular, I mean, one of the motives for me around getting the evidence out in a form outside of a model, outside of a black box, so you could just see for yourself what the evidence is, I thought would be very useful for these environments where there are often a lot of numbers thrown around. And so wouldn't it be nice to have your own set of numbers to show that what we could invest in that would produce something more healthy outcomes. So there's, there's multiple audiences and I think it, it speaks to all of them. And, you know, the way the site is organized is, is more or less through the, the evidence for five goals um, that support climate, health, and equity at this point. I'm looking at physical activity, walking, and cycling, and vehicle miles traveled and greenhouse gas emissions. And then there's 16 strategies that have been shown to relate to those. And one of the things I really wanted to do when you look at a certain strategy is visually get a hit of how effective it is. So for something like bicycle infrastructure, it's got maybe two or three proven strategies. And then there's emerging evidence, or it's really quite more than emerging at this point, but likely outcomes. And there's, you know, 10 different ones. And you see that visually, the impact of like, this is what this strategy can do for your community. And to be able not only to connect them with the research, but then the resources associated with that. So I've kind of a curated set of resources for every strategy, guidebooks, case studies, fact sheets to help people implement 
with confidence. Right. Fantastic. You're absolutely right. One of my good friends, Dr. Dick Jackson, is noted for saying, you know, especially when he's presenting to a a mixed audience of engineers and planners and transportation professionals. And he basically calls them out and says, guess what? You are health professionals. Exactly. You know, it's what you are doing is having an impact, the decisions that you make day in and day out. Now, you mentioned ITE. So why don't you def- define that acronym for some of our listeners who may not know? Well, it it used to stand for the Institute of Transportation Engineers, and they now are actually using ITE as their formal name. Their byline now is a community of transportation professionals. So I'm a member of ITE, and in fact, I'm now the vice chair of their Transportation and Health Committee. And that is a relatively new effort. I think, as I mentioned before, this move towards thinking about health in a more comprehensive way is is showing up in a lot of places. ITE is one. The Transportation Research Board is another. That's another committee that I serve on. So that is a, a an organization that I think is you know doing a lot of good work now. I think there's a lot of new initiatives happening in ITE, which is really designed to provide transportation professionals with resources for them to do their work. And they have some technical documents. They have kind of communities of practice. Um, they have a lot of webinars. So it's really intended to kind of serve that community. And I'm, I'm encouraged by the direction that I am seeing them go. And I am part of that movement and doing what I can to help them think through how they can better address health in, the, in their work. Yeah. Well, and and thank you. Thank you for doing that work. It's wonderful to see that many organizations are are starting to to push that limit and starting to redefine what some of our planners and what some of our engineers are looking towards. You know, the the old joke of course was that the transportation engineer was was concerned with pretty much one thing, LOS, you know, that level of service. They wanted to move as many uh, motor vehicles through as efficiently and as quickly as possible. And oh, by the way, you mentioned earlier that uh, they are technically also concerned with safety. But unfortunately, the engineering uh, perspective on that was maximizing safety for the occupants of motor vehicles and making engineering changes or making it quote unquote illegal for pedestrians or people riding bikes to be in the streetscape (laughs) and and really, really uh, encouraging to see that we're we're starting to push that stuff into the, into the history and and moving forward with much more of a streets are for people concept. And because if we have any hope of being able to have an impact on our climate and our community health, we absolutely need to have more people walking and biking within our communities. Absolutely. And I mean, walking and bicycling is the the health effects for that, if we could design our communities to accomplish that, it's profound. I mean, there's certainly benefits associated with reduced air pollution and other things, but really the major health benefit is in the physical activity. It's uh, it's immense. So it's it's very important work. Yeah. What would you say is has been the biggest surprise since you've put this together and 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 got it out into the world? Hmm, that's a good question. 
I, you know, I think for me, it's been a slow evolution in the way that I have been thinking about it. And <laughs> there's some technical lessons learned maybe that I won't share uh, in terms of web platform and other things. But I think it's, it's maybe what I referenced before is caveating your research findings to understand like what does the local population need? And, and I think public health, you know, again, as I said, has this evidence-based policy tradition, but even so that is tempered with, it's not just what works, but the question is what's appropriate. And I think that is something that the transportation industry needs to heed. And I, so that's something that I have learned and it has been really helpful for me to think about too. And it's, you know, been an interest of mine of like, how do we account for different contexts? And that's, there's certainly been a segment of the transportation industry that has been focused on context sensitive design and other things to try to bend some of the rigid standards so that it fits places better. So I, that's probably like how to, I guess from with my academic head on, how, how to do that in a, in a way that is true to the research and true to the people that we're, you know, that we are serving as transportation professionals. Right. So what is on the docket for 2021? Yes. Street Smart is a platform, but it's also a nonprofit organization. And so part of the other work that I'm doing are through these committees that I serve on, including the ITE Transportation Health Committee and the Transportation Research Board, Transportation and Public Health Committee. I also serve on the American Public Health Association's Center for Climate Health and Equity and am on the steering committee for FEEL. And so a lot of those initiatives are very much about how do we break down silos so that these professionals can work together better to improve climate health and equity outcomes. And then and this is the year for my dissertation, which I should be working on, should be working on more right now. And so, and that relates, uh, again, it's a separate question from Street Smart, but it's, you know, the use and influence of health indicators. So performance measures or indicators have often been suggested as a way to help institutionalize and create some accountability around health outcomes and transportation. And so my research is getting at that question, does it do that? How does it do that? And, um, and that kind of information is what I would like to bring into Street Smart and actually have recommended performance measures or here's a process for you to think about how you would do that. So if this year is going to be a lot, uh, a lot of research and some convening and silo busting. Right. Well, and, and it sounds like if you're in a situation where you're going to have to really buckle down and, and work on that dissertation, the website, from, from my perspective, is already built out. It's a wonderful resource. So uh, for our listeners, please make sure you head over to that website. Again, I'll have the, the link in the show notes here, but it's actually thinkstreetsmart.org. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, fantastic. So to, to wrap us up here, is there anything that, that we haven't discussed that yet that you really like to make sure that we talk about? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I will say as the evidence becomes available, I will be updating the site. So I'm not undertaking systematic reviews myself at this moment, and I'm looking for existing reviews and using that as the basis for the strategies that are within the site. 
So as more of those come online, I'll be adding them. So I do intend for this to be an evolving resource. Will there be more? There's certainly always more resources in terms of guidebooks or case studies that will be added, but then there'll be whole sets of evidence that will be uploaded as well. Right. Fantastic. So the very final question, which is the the same question that I give to every one of the Active Towns podcast guests, is the following. For those listeners that may be inspired by our discussions, uh, what advice do you have for them so that they can help make a difference in their community? I think what I would recommend that if you haven't yet is to venture over to another discipline or field that you're not familiar with. I think we've talked a lot about the value that public health brings to transportation. If you uh, wrangle up a public health professional and invite them to a transportation planning process, or if you're a transportation professional, maybe you can get involved in a public health process, their community needs assessment or something like that. I think we need to find ways to start working together. And I would also say in terms of equity, if you aren't in that space and you haven't engaged with transit justice advocates or other people that are thinking about how to make transportation equitable for everyone, reach out. And uh, if you're someone that's focused just on climate change, talk to public health. I mean, there are a lot of connections that need to be made. These issues are all interrelated and we need to be solving for them simultaneously. We can't do them one at a time. Um, If we do it one at a time, we're going to exacerbate problems in another area than the area that you're focusing on. So I think building those bridges is not only smart for making the most successful solutions, but I politically is, you know, build a coalition, you know, that that helps get things through. Here, here. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, Kelly, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you also very much for tuning in to episode number 55 of the Active Towns podcast. I certainly hope you found this discussion with Kelly to be interesting, educational, and inspiring. Please be sure to check out her amazing platform at thinkstreetsmart.org. It is indeed an incredibly helpful site, providing access to a plethora of evidence-based resources. A couple of quick reminders before we part ways. Please don't hesitate to drop me a line if you have any questions or feedback, as well as any suggested topics or potential guests. My email is john, that's J-O-H-N, at activetowns, again that's plural, dot O-R-G. It's always wonderful to hear from y'all. And as a final reminder, I'd be remiss if I didn't make one last appeal for your financial support. If you're in a position to do so, please make a contribution to Active Towns so I can keep producing this content. Please head over to activetowns.org and click on that blue donate link in the top right corner of the page. Thank you. Well, that's all for now. So until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Cheers.